1: that I will start over from scratch as
0: many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I wanna be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. Knocked so out. your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Care of Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm thrilled to have my next guest here. We have founder and CEO of Most People Don't, and his name is Bart Berkey and i was recently on his podcast and the more i started to hear about him and his experience and his fabulous new book called most people don't and why you should can't see it here uh, there we go and i i read the book and it was incredible and i'm like you need to come on my podcast and talk a lot more to this audience about what you're up to and all the things that you've learned along the way so Thrilled to have him. Uh, Bart, actually, in addition to being an author and a CEO of his company, he was in the hospitality industry, uh, had a brief stint in tech as well, and uh, but was in the hospitality industry for 32 years and now teaches people the art of sales and leadership and training and all of those things. Um, and really, I think it can be applied to any industry. It's not just for hospitality Uh, As I mentioned, he is the author of the Amazon uh, top 1% sales book called Most People Don't and Why You Should. And I'm excited to learn more about Bart's journey and share Bart's journey with everyone and some of the key lessons that he's learned throughout life as well. So welcome, Bart.
1: Yep, Kara, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And it, and it always happens even when I'm introducing people. I talk for 10 minutes about how amazing Kara Golden is, and then it's like, oh, and by the way, here's our guest, Kara. right? So thank you for that crazy nice introduction. I appreciate it. Absolutely.
0: Well, for the listeners who aren't familiar with your name and and uh, your company and, and your book, can you uh, can you share a little bit more about your company?
1: So, yeah, as you referenced, 32 years in the hospitality world, and, and I'll only say the pandemic word twice when it hit, um, I had to make a decision. You know, hospitality world, as you and I had talked about before in the travel world, was so devastated by the pandemic. So that's the only time I'm going to say it. That's two times. So I had to make a decision and I used that opportunity as it was something happening for me, not to me. Mm-hmm. So I had to get into the right mindset. And I know when you talk to so many entrepreneurs, it's about the mindset of being resilient, of being undaunted. So I decided, I wrote this book um, and it meant a lot to me. And a lot of friends were reaching out saying, hey, look, you know, my company would love for you to come and speak on this topic. And the topics are interesting and different. My dog's feet smell like Fritos, okay? Who has a chapter entitled something like that? So it was intriguing enough that it became very, very popular. So I looked and I said, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the hotel business. And this appeared to be my calling. So I decided to take an early retirement from uh, my global sales role with Ritz-Carlton and other luxury brands and pursue this full time. So that's uh, that's really what I've been doing. And uh, a second book is in the works. Did my first TED Talk, which I was absolutely thrilled with in New York City. It was great. And have been fortunate that I think, Kara, right now there's a lot of people in the world that need to hear good things. They need to hear encouragement and inspiration and stop watching the news and go out and enjoy nature.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I mean, you were ahead of the curve because obviously we're in the Great Resignation uh I was talking to actually a head of an office um, for a big accounting firm, and he was sharing with me that 30% of their company globally has left. And mm-hmm. I was shocked. I mean, I, I thought, wow, that's a lot. I think people are really kind of resetting, um, trying to understand if this is really what they want to do. And I also just think that there's so many more options now for people to be able to, to do things remotely. Um you know, maybe go somewhere where there is more outdoor space. There's, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, schools are open in some cases, all of those, you know, a variety of reasons, but you were definitely ahead of the curve. So you could probably talk to people about sort of what you've learned and how scary it might be for so many people too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it certainly was scary. And, you know, as you talk about the great resignation, I think the situation enabled us to hit a pause, right? We all hit a pause button on life to kind of stop and take time to think about what do we really like to do? What do we really want to do? What makes us happy? What are we passionate about? And otherwise, we were just going so darn busy so fast that we really never took time to slow down. And there's even a story in my book, and just reminded me, called Leadership Lessons Learned on a Racetrack. And when someone would teach a driver on a road course, They said, okay, if you want to go faster, you have to look not just the next curve. You have to look at the fourth curve, the fifth curve, the sixth curve. You have to look farther ahead the faster you want to go.
0: How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? to subscribe for just $0.50 per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just $0.50 per week for your first year.
1: Think about it. We have to look farther ahead the faster we want to go. I love it. Right, And a lot of people never take the time to either look farther because they're going so fast. So I think with this situation, we were able to hit pause, and yeah, it was scary. It's, uh, it's certainly scary, and it continues to be scary because, you know, different things happening in the world that might cause a slowdown, um, but, you know, I'm looking at it as a couple of different ways. I'm doing something that I absolutely love and adore, and I'm influencing people. I did a presentation last week. There were 800 people virtually. And I, as soon as we concluded, this was for a residential community, a company that does residential apartments. And as soon as we concluded, I started getting all of these emails. I gave up my email address and, you know, just to be a resource. I don't want to share this passion with people and then just be done, like, bye bye. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm going to cash my yeah. check. So I um, sent out my email and I got this most amazing note from this gentleman. Uh, the theme of the conversation was, be the difference. And he said, A little bit about my story, I'm autistic and I have always been different in my life. And this is the first time that someone has used that term, be the difference, to embrace the imperfectly you, right? The perfect, imperfect you to be able to make a difference. And he said, I've never felt so inspired and enabled to be able to do good. And like, when you hear that, that's why, right? That's why I'm doing it. So yes, certainly scary. You know, you have this much of a runway with severance and then you hope that it continues and continues yeah. and continues. And if you are doing it for the right reasons and you put the right message out to the universe, things are happening and things are happening very, very quickly and um, just fortunate. But to answer the question, yes, it can be scary, but- you have to make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. You're not necessarily doing it for money, but you're doing because you want to help others. And uh, the most interesting thing, when when I first had started, my runway was getting shorter, meaning my savings were going away, um, I applied for a, a different job. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I've been working for someone for 32 years. Let me apply for a job just to have that stability again. And maybe I can do my speaking and training on the mm-hmm. side and write another book and do the podcast. So um, my wife will, you know, laugh at me for this, but I applied, and then I went upstairs, away from my my office studio, and I cried. Hmm. I applied, and then I cried because it's not what I was meant to do. It mm-hmm. was. It's not what I what I want to do. Um, this is what I want to do, and with help of new friends like you, to be able to get the word out of this doing mantra simple, easy to remember, do what most people don't. Okay.
0: Yeah. No. And I think that that's amazing. I also just think about, especially a lot of what you're working on now, you're going inside companies, you're teaching people what you've learned over the last 32 years. I, you know, no one can ever take that away from you. Right. And I think that that's, that's the other piece of it that people don't really realize you know, they have intellectual property to some extent around kind of their, what they've learned. Um, I don't know if it's technically, uh, you know, you're able to look at it that way, but that's the way I really look at it from everything that Bart's learned along the way, you know, good, bad, um, all of it, you know, you're able to go out and share that with people and teach people and um, hopefully help people not to make the same mistakes you made along the way. So, one of the things that I read about your early days. So you were uh, you were born in Pittsburgh. You got into the hospitality industry fairly early. Did you like what drove you to the hospitality, like the hotel industry overall? Like what was it that
1: sure. was so appealing? I I wanted initially to be a writer. I wanted to be a poet. I wanted to get into liberal arts. Both of my parents were um, art educators, so art teachers, so very creative. And I thought, this is what I want to be able to do. I remember writing poems when I was very young. And uh, then I came to the realization in high school that, you know, it's pretty darn hard to make a living just being a poet or being a writer or whatever the liberal arts degree would, would take me. And so my sister at the time was studying hospitality at Penn State, and she would come home and she would talk about the classes. And I liked hospitality because it was a nice mix of people, the human aspect of social interaction as well as business. Hospitality is about making money, but how hospitality makes money is by, it's not by hotel rooms and 43-inch television, it's about service. It's about going above and beyond. It's about delivering the unexpected. So that aspect really allowed me to explore my creativity. And in sales and leading people, we were able to do the unexpected. We were able to rise above and beyond and deliver exceptional service experiences for many, many customers. So that's kind of what intrigued me. And that's what kept me in it for a very long time. And some of the stories that I write about, it's not necessarily about hospitality, but it's things that I observed about providing service or about selling or about helping others. And it all kind of interrelates.
0: Yeah. And you spent 10 years uh, with Hyatt, I guess. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, and then... Went into your sales manager of the year there. You also spent time, as you mentioned, with Ritz-Carlton. What did you see sort of influenced people the most when, like I always look at Ritz-Carlton as just as an example, as one where you can't go wrong. Right. I mean, there is there is definitely a uh, I mean, maybe you can go wrong, but it's just, you know, they're a higher end hotel. They really seem to understand their consumer. And I think with that, I would imagine, especially if you're selling and getting groups to come in there, there's a certain expectation around what you deliver. So how do you teach the the team that I guess
1: the hiring process when I was with Ritz-Carlton was very, very stringent, and they look at the talents that people bring to the table. Hmm. It really has to come from the heart. So while I can teach someone to provide good service, it's better if in their heart they already have the propensity to provide great service. Yep. And that's, that's the difference. And it's really becoming, I think, in the hospitality world and the service industry in general, more and more difficult to find people that can prioritize someone else, that can think about someone else, can put themselves in another person's shoes, that can ask questions, can listen, be empathetic. like All of these things are required, and um, it's, it's more and more difficult for anyone in the service industry to find the right type of people that have this propensity that want to give. Mm-hmm. And what I really loved about Ritz-Carlton care is that, you know, one of the mottos is we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. So it is not about you make more money than me as a customer. Therefore I have to be subservient to you. Uh, uh-uh, We are equals. I just happen to be delivering service to you, the customer, and I'm happy to do so. It is my pleasure to do so. I am happy. To be able to help. And that is unique. So it really needs to come from the heart. Now, I never will forget one of my, uh, I guess it was the first week that I was working at a Ritz-Carlton. Very nervous. As you mentioned, I grew up in Pittsburgh. Did not come from a family with a lot of money. Rarely ever even stayed at hotels. And here I am working for Ritz-Carlton my first couple of days, I want to make sure I was wearing the right suit and I was saying the right thing. And, um, just, you know, I was on the guidance team. So the general manager took me to lunch again, probably two or three days into my new job, employee cafeteria, a housekeeper comes up and they said, um, good morning, Mr. Berkey. Just trying to be friendly. Well, it was about 1130. And I thought in my head, well, I'm there to have lunch. So I usually have lunch in the afternoon, but 1130 is actually still officially morning. Mm-hmm. So do I say good afternoon or do I say good morning? Do I correct the person, say, well, good afternoon? And, I'd like, and I thought of all of these things in my head, Kara, and it just taught me a very good, important lesson because I was so twisted in my mind of trying to say the right thing and do the right thing and be the right person that my response was, I blanked, I said nothing back. Hmm good morning, Mr. Berkey. And I said nothing back. So that taught me a very valuable lesson. I had to digest it the following week. I said this, saw the same housekeeper. I apologized, but it taught me a lesson, right? Just be you, yeah. be the perfectly imperfect you. And I could have high-fived them. I could have said, Hey, I could have said, what's up. I could have said, yo, but I was looking for the right rich Carlton words. My pleasure. Certainly I could have said, hi, and it would have been much better. So, um, Service is not easy, but it is an exceptional opportunity for people to create memories. If they want to be giving like that, it is so rewarding.
0: Absolutely. So you did a brief stint uh, outside in the technology industry. I mean, more of a, mm-hmm. I guess, more of a B2B play. Would you call what you were doing at Riz- at Hyatt and Ritz-Carlton? B2- well, I guess it's B2B because you're talking to businesses, but I, I still think it's very much... I don't know. I feel like hospitality in general is people still think about it for themselves, right? Like it's. I think hotels, even if you're selling group sales or anything like that, you're still very. Uh, it, it's very personal.
1: Yeah, and just as you, as you said that, Carrie, I never really, I never really thought about it this way. But yes, it was. Us selling to Fidelity, us selling to Liberty Mutual, us selling to uh, ExxonMobil, to Wells Fargo, to all of these different organizations, often for incentive trips. So they want to recognize their top 100 producers. Great. They come and they stay at a Ritz-Carlton. But you're absolutely right. So even though it was business to business, it was me or my teammates selling to the decision maker, selling to the meeting planner. So um, we didn't get to touch the 100 recipients. Or interact with them. It was the meeting planner, the executive director was telling us what their vision was. And it was our responsibility to deliver that and to convince them so they would feel comfortable enough. They would trust enough to say, you know what, for this special occasion, yes, we're going to go to the Ritz-Carlton Cancun and we're going to bring 100 of our top performers. So I never really thought about it. It was B2B, but it was more and I'm calling it this based on my, my friend Marina has been saying this. It was more 3D yeah. relationship. Yeah. It wasn't no, surface. It exactly. was deep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How do you make it super easy for your team to do their job and run the business? With ever-changing tax laws, complex calculations, and different types of employees to account for, running payroll can be a task your team is putting lots of time and energy into. Luckily, the sponsor of today's episode, Gusto, is here to help. For the last decade, Gusto has helped professionals like you and me run payroll in minutes with just a few clicks. Things like compliance, new state tax registration, and international contractor payments are a problem of the past. And that's just scratching the surface of what Gusto can do for your business. From comprehensive benefits, hiring, and onboarding tools to team management features, Gusto's platform is built to help your company scale with confidence. And it's all part of Gusto's modern HR platform, one place to help build happy, healthy, and productive teams, which who doesn't want? As a special thanks to our listeners, we're offering Gusto free for three months at gusto.com kara Get the products you need to power your business at your fingertips at gusto.com slash Kara. So obviously, you left the tech, you went back into the Ritz-Carlton. And what do you think is like the five basic things or four or five basic things that, that if you're selling, you really felt were super key?
1: Yes. The ability to ask questions. And I saw this quote that Albert Einstein the other day, not the other day, I saw it the other day, Uh, he wrote this quote many, many years ago, but it was a quote referencing that if he was given a problem and, and, and his, the answer was dependent, his life was dependent on the correct answer. If he was given a problem and he was given one hour to solve it, he would spend 55 minutes thinking of the right question to ask. And then he would spend the last five minutes solving the problem or solving the issue. So I believe that it's asking questions is critically important. Uh, It's listening. Mm -hmm. A lot of people always want to talk about themselves, but it's about asking other people the right questions. It's about listening to their answers. Uh, It's about being real and authentic. It's being trustworthy. It's being human not being perfect. I'm a professional keynote speaker and trainer. And sometimes I make up words and I'll laugh at myself and I'm like, okay, I don't know if pauseful is a word or not, but I'm going to say it anyway. Right. And don't take yourself too seriously. So I think all of those characteristics, authentic, asking questions, listening, being real, being trustworthy, and then being consistent for follow-up and also being interesting. You have to bring some things to the table.
0: You just reminded me. It's funny. When we were launching Hint, we couldn't get people to understand that a water that has fruit in it doesn't have to have sweeteners in it. And people were like, wait, I don't get it. Like, is it juice? No, it's not. It's essence of the fruit. And and um, so we uh, made up this word that is still on the bottle today called unsweetened. And Basically, like we said it so many times <laughs> around our office that we, yeah. we had a lot of, um, you know, people who know the English lan- language very well who would write into us and say, by the way, y- unsweetened is not a word. It's actually been cre- made a word. It's a really funny story, um, but it wasn't a word. It wasn't in, you know, the dictionary. And people would like go out of their way to send like pictures of the fact that it actually wasn't a word. Oh, and they said, "But we know what you mean." And I'm like, "That that's all we wanted to do. We just wanted you to understand. Maybe it should be a word." And we would have this like funny dialogue with people. Yeah. And what you're describing when you're making up words along the way is that you know, it got people to listen. Yes. Right? And engage yes. in some way and get to know you a little bit more. Yeah. And they were like, Okay, I just wanted you to know, like, it's really not a word. Okay, we we got yeah. it. It's not a word, but yeah. but you're listening and we're engaging yes. in something, and so yes. sometimes it's a strategy. Um, I wouldn't say that we overthought that strategy at all to create it, but it's uh, but it's and then sometimes it actually you know becomes a word. I had a the guest on on our show a few months ago who created the word FOMO, and uh, and he's hysterical and. Um, anyway, and, you know, fear of missing out. And he didn't think that he was going to be creating something that became a, you know, a term that lots of people use today globally. Um, He's actually trademarked the word FOMO. He was going to Harvard Business School when he, and, you know, it was his own fear of missing out on doing too much. And he got exhausted. And anyway, it's a crazy story about it. But Um, But anyway, again, like you just never know.
1: Yeah. And what I like about what you said is talk about your brand. So unsweetened is goes along with hint. Totally. That that, that is tied into the brand. And then also when I'm talking about authenticity, I think it's really important as leaders as well. Like, Carrie, you are the same when you hit record or you don't hit record. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what I respect (laughs) and just adore the heck out of you because you are the same Person. Yeah. And that is unusual for someone that has met with so much success, overcome so many challenges, to be the same person on the phone, on a call, record, not on, right? In, in a boardroom, up on stage, you are the same person. And yeah. I just think that is absolutely incredible. Um, one other thing that I did want to share is when you're talking about someone trademarking uh, FOMO, I was able to trademark, which is very unique. Most people don't. So I own those three words. Amazing. So I, I, think we, I think we need to get trademark moving for you for unsweetened, okay? Oh,
0: that's, that's awesome. I love that. So your book, you've touched on a few of the great stories in here. Um, I mean, absolutely meeting. I love the morning meetings and breakfast sandwiches, obviously, have followed a lot of those as well. But such a good book. First of all, I want to go back even, and I think this goes into the book, but you mentioned it before we actually started recording that your mission statement, do you want to talk a little bit more about like the company mission statement? And
1: Yes. And I just enhanced it and thank you for allowing me to share it with you, but it is what, what we do. We move people to do through memorable messages Yep, in, re- in, in relatable ways. Um, really, let's just put it this way, through memorable messages and resonating reminders. So we dynamically deliver and enable you to do. We move you to do. And how we move someone, when you think about moving, it's not, we didn't want to say motivate. We didn't want to say inspire. We didn't want to say encourage. We wanted to use the word move because we want to move and this is what we're doing. We're moving people's minds their heart, their soul into taking action, whether that's providing better service, whether that's selling better, whether it's being a better person. It's so applicable. So we are moving people to do, and we share stories that are memorable and applicable. I'm not going to talk about climbing Mount Everest because, you know, God bless people that did, but I've never done that. But I'm going to tell a story about. Uh, Me suffering from um, panic attacks because I had an out-of-body experience when I was 12 years old undergoing nose surgery. Okay, I can talk about leadership lessons learned on a racetrack because when people are driving, you could kind of relate. I can talk about um, pushing a cart back after you go to a grocery store, pushing it back into the corral. You are doing, you're putting forth the extra effort. We can talk about taking the stairs versus the escalator. There was a study that was done. 20,000 people were watched, making a choice between stairs and escalator, and only 1% of people chose the stairs. Hmm. So there's benefits of doing. So we move people to do, and it's so interesting, Kara, because after we get done presenting or I get done sharing some ideas, and I talk about steps versus escalator, people are then going to remember. Most people don't take the stairs. Guess what? I don't want to be like most people. I want to get better. I'm going to take the stairs. And so um, the messages are easy. They're easy reminders. And someone even sent me a picture every time they're at the airport. They send me a picture of them choosing to go up the stairs. And they've lost 20 pounds in four months whenever they travel, because they're now choosing to take the stairs. Yeah, Easy to remember. Memorable, dynamically presented, but we move people to do through stories.
0: I love it. And I think stories do move people. I mean, I I always say, like, sometimes people don't actually, they don't want to do things, maybe in in the case of health. Like, if, if a doctor tells you, for example, that you need to be doing the stairs every single day, it's probably you might receive that a little differently. Maybe you do it for a couple of days and then you're like, ah, I'm going to be fine. I mean, that's the hardest thing that doctors have to deal with when people leave the office and go home. I I know a few doctors have told me it's like, you never really know whether or not somebody does it, but here you can actually talk to people about your own story and about why you do that and create a, a story that people make it theirs. I mean, certainly- that's what's happened with hint and and kind of the story behind it is uh is really what has allowed so many people to drink hint and and certainly yeah. for you um you know making people realize that they can do something that maybe they thought was hard or they feared or or whatever and you you were so incredible at it. So the hospitality industry was obviously heavily impacted during the pandemic and during the lockdowns. How did it affect, you know, sort of why you made this decision, um, obviously, you know, sales were going to be going down, all of those kind of things. But I think most people sort of hold back on doing things because they think, oh, maybe I'll wait and see. Yes. And, uh, and what's your sort of feeling on, on that personally? Yeah. I mean.
1: Yeah. Uh, right before the pandemic hit, um, I had a massive heart attack. And I am a, a, a fairly fit gentleman. I coach volleyball. I walk every single day. I ride the bike. I do a lot of things. But when I was recovering from this little mild nose surgery, my heart attacked me and it was not good. Wow. Uh, my efficiency went way, way down and uh, it was not good. But they took very good care of me, rushed me to the hospital. Look, I'm fine. I'm good. And it's been about two years now. But realizing that when that happened, it makes you think differently it makes you think totally. differently about right it, it that that life is not forever and time is fleeing and what can i do to make sure that i am fulfilling my passion like we all have talents uh, you you Kara, you have an incredible talent for starting something new and growing it and fostering it and representing the brand so well and then teaching and sharing with everybody that you interact with I believe my my skill or my talent is being able to take ideas that I see and put them into relatable ways that someone will be reminded and moved to take action. So going back to you know the pandemic situation, realizing that I did have the heart attack, I thought, I want to be able to help people. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that were really, really, really struggling. And I did this presentation called, You Are Remarkable, Not Redundant. And I had, I think, over 300 people virtually attend because so often when people were losing their jobs as a result of the situation, they were being told, you are redundant. Not that your position is redundant, that you are redundant. And I thought, you know what? I wanna help people. So more than ever, if I have all of these ideas, if I have the ideas in the book, how can I help people? So one, what I started to do was there were about 15 displaced sales professionals from the travel and hospitality world. Then I said, look, if you would like, I'm doing this full time. Mm-hmm. If you want to join my team, come on board. You'll, you do it for a week, a month, a day, whatever the case is. But if it will help you, it will help me. So I had a massive sales force of 15 people that came on every single day. We had a team call and they had a purpose. They had a reason. They were contributing. So despite all of this negative stuff that was going on in the world, they had a team. And I saw how important it was to them. And then when we started talking to customers, the same thing, people Mm -hmm. were tired. They needed reminders of how to adapt, on how to be flexible, on how to be resilient. And that's what I live for because personally, I've struggled with all of those things. And I've talked to enough people that I get these great ideas. And then when I talk about being flexible, I'll share a story. Imagine a windstorm is coming in your direction and would you rather your home be surrounded by oak trees? Strong, majestic oak trees have been around forever. Or would you rather your home be surrounded by bamboo? Mm-hmm. And the people that say oak trees then realize oak trees resist and they break and they fall on homes. But think about bamboo it's flexible, it's strong, and it bends in the wind. Doesn't resist the wind, it bends in the wind. So yeah. here we go, A little story like that. I can remember, I'm going to be flexible, I'm going to be bamboo. So I just saw that there was such a need for people to be reminded to be resilient, that you're remarkable, that of the 60,000 thoughts that go through your mind every single day, naturally, like 80, 95% of them are, are repeated, and 80% of those, according to the Cleveland Clinic, are negative. So if I can come in talking about something new, I'm allergic to gorillas, Humpty Dumpty was pushed, right? Whatever the stories are, um, are you a a buffalo or a goose in describing leadership characteristics? If I can share some humor, some brevity, some different ways of looking at things, and people walk away by, oh, I can remember most people don't, you know, I can remember be bamboo. I'm faced with a challenge. What am I going to do? I'm going to be bamboo, you know, so... Um, that's, that's a long way of explaining why I decided to do that.
0: I love it. No, so many tips and, and lessons and stories along the way. And your book is, is super great. I mean, I really enjoyed it. It's a, it's a quick read, um, as well, but I kept, I've gone back to a couple of them, as well that are the risk reward and microwave popcorn is awesome. (laughs) So I absolutely love that one. I earmarked that Um, super, super good. So how do people find out more about most people don't and about Bart Berkey and uh, all of that.
1: Now, and Kara, thank you again for this opportunity. I know you have so many loyal followers, you know, you yourself are such an incredible brand. So this is quite an honor. If if people would like to learn more, and it's very easy, dot notcom so there's no apostrophe between the N and the T, just all one word, mostpeopledon't.com, and you're going to find links to ideas, to stories, to messages, to the book, and um, you will be moved to do as a result. That's what our goal is.
0: I love it. So great. Well, thank you so much for coming on and for giving us so much wisdom and uh, the the power of stories, for sure, and the power of courage that you took in actually making a decision that was pretty bold. So I absolutely love it. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We are here at The Kara Golden Show. Please subscribe and definitely give Bart's episode five stars. Algorithms definitely pay attention to this stuff. So absolutely um, do that in order to uh, make sure that you are also following us when you are subscribing. And find me on all social platforms at Kara Golden. Uh, And don't forget to pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, where I share my journey and everything going on in, in the world of entrepreneurism and about building a company. And like I said, we're here Uh, at the Kara Golden Show every Monday and Wednesday. And I hope you all have a terrific week. Thanks again. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in.